I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Sally, and Lizzie for setting us up so well today. And good morning to you all. It's lovely to be able to meet together. It's a bit warm, but it's great that we can gather together as God's people to dive into God's word. And if you're joining us online as well, a warm welcome to you too. Let's uh, just pray for us as we look to unpack these great riches here in Romans 8. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you speak to us today as you spoke to your people 2,000 years ago, that your word is alive and active. So Lord, help us now to listen and to engage with what you are saying to each of us in this moment, to know more about how we can wait and how we can live for you in the here and now. We ask that in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder, as Lizzie has already kind of so helpfully set us up, how do you feel about waiting? How do you feel about waiting? I think Lizzie's put you know, her thumb on it really well. I reckon most of us, if not all of us, when it comes to waiting, will really struggle. I want you to imagine you're off on holiday, a long-awaited holiday, and you're all packed, you're ready for the sunshine and the beaches, whatever your ideal holiday is, and you can't wait. You arrive at the airport only to find, if you can get the first picture up, please, you're ready for fun, for flight, your flight, and for relaxation, and yet you're met at the airport by this. If you can have that first slide, it would be great. It's worth the wait. <laughs> it's crashing. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Well, whilst we're waiting for that to appear, I've got another thing that will help us to think about waiting. I've got here a whole load of Harry Bow sweets. Now, who doesn't love Harry Bow? They're great, they're fantastic. And I thought a good way to get us to think about waiting would for each of us, I've got enough sweets, I think, for everyone here, to have their very own bag of sweets. Fantastic. But there is a catch. Because once you've gotten these sweets, I would like you to not open them to the very ends of the talk. So they're going to be sat there in front of you. You might be thinking, oh, I'd love a Harry Bow, particularly, I don't know what your favorite is. Mine's a little crocodiles. Love a good crocodile. Maybe you'll be really wanting a sweet, but it's going to be sat there in front of you, and I want you to wait for it as we think about this theme of waiting. So, Sarah, I wonder if you could give those out, and I'll do a few as well. So, do you mind handing those out? If that's okay. Grand, thank you. If you want a sweet, do grab them, but remember, don't open them to the very end of the, uh, the talk in a few moments' time. Great. Hopefully, everyone should have a bag of sweets. Dizzy, don't forget about the band. They're looking pretty, pretty desperate for some Harry Bow. <laughs> Fantastic. Good. Very, very good. Okay. Well, as we said, we were thinking about waiting, and we hate waiting, don't we? Whether it's eating that bag of sweets, whether it's slow internet, uh, a laggy laptop <laughs> like we might be experiencing, whether it's queuing in traffic, slow delivery dates for those online orders, we live. We live in a society that hates having to wait. I think that's true, isn't it? And I also think that's true when it comes to living life as Christians as well. But this week, as we carry on in Romans, we're going to be unpacking this issue of waiting. Paul, the writer of this letter, well, he's teaching us in the second half of chapter 8 to tell the time to tell the time, to understand where we are now and what lies ahead. And as we listen and engage to what God's Word is saying to us, we will be able to grow in our understanding of how we can wait as Christians. Now last week with Matthew, we saw that we are children of God, that amazing truth that we are adopted so that we can call God Abba, that really intimate phrase, Daddy, Father, And as children of God, we are heirs, co-heirs with Jesus as God's son. But what does it actually mean to be an heir? Well, it means that one day we will receive an inheritance. My nan is an avid collector of uh, royal mugs. She has a cabinet jam-packed full of them. All the coronations, all the weddings, the full works. And she often tells me, in kind of a joking kind of way, that when she passes away, I will inherit all of her royal mug collection. Now, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with them all, where we're going to keep them, but that's going to be my inheritance. Well, as adopted children of God, we too have an inheritance, not of royal mugs, probably for the best, but something much, much better. A place in the new creation, a place where we will have new resurrection bodies. If you've got your Bibles open, have a look at verse 21. It says, creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Free from bondage, free from decay, our bodies renewed, restored, resurrected. How amazing does that inheritance sound? And immediately our minds begin to think, when? When will we get this inheritance? When will it be ours? 
Well, God is eternal. He will never pass away. And so it's not a question of God leaving something for us in his will. No, we're told that this inheritance will be ours on the day of Christ's return. When the old things will pass away and his new kingdom, his new creation, will be established forever. And so we can begin to see that we have this tension, don't we? A tension between the now and the not yet. So I've got some beautifully handmade uh, signs I put together that will help us just to help to see this tension between the now and the not yet. In these verses, Paul is helping us to tell the time and to distinguish between these two places. The now, where in the present we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are children of God, adopted, and the not yet, when in the future God will restore and renew creation and give us those resurrection bodies. And in teaching us to tell the time, Paul is getting us to think about this question of waiting. And we see three things in our passage for today that teach us about waiting. And the first is this. It's hard having to wait. It's hard having to wait. That waiting is hard. And we see that this is both uh, true for the Christian believer, but also for creation more generally as well. Verse 20, creation was subjected to frustration. Verse 22, we know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, as a bloke, I in no way feel like I can speak into the pains of childbirth. I'm going to say that very clearly now. But from what I've heard, it's not a walk in the park. We've got quite a few expecting mums in the life of St. Luke's at the moment. So I don't want to labor this point too much. No pun intended. Sorry. But childbirth is painful, isn't it? That's how Paul describes creation's condition as it waits for its final renewal. Uh, Sarah and I have some uh, friends who've just had their first child this past week. And I remember speaking to the mum a few weeks back about how she felt about it all. And she said she was really scared uh, about the labor, about the pain that she would go through that was ahead of her. But she said that every time she felt worried, she knew that the arrival of their baby daughter would surpass any pain that she would have to go through. Creation, we're told, groans for the new creation of Christ's return. There will be something wonderful beyond imagining at the end, but in the present, there's pain. That's not just for creation. Paul goes on in verse 23. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So it's not only creation that groans for renewal, but we as Christian believers, we too groan, we long for Christ's return. And as we long for that renewal of all things, we wait in the midst of sin and suffering. We wait as believers in a broken world. We've seen in the previous chapters of Romans that we are no longer slaves to sin. And we have some great visual imagery of that, that we are no longer slaves to sin. But we do still struggle with it. And we should long to be free of that battle within us. No longer to be tempted to to say that, 
to, to think about that, to look at that, to take that, all those battles with sin, will one day finally be done with. But that day is not yet. Today, we struggle with sin. We struggle with sin, and it's hard. And we also struggle with suffering. Everyone here will know that the world is not a perfect paradise. We just have to spend five minutes with BBC News, don't we? And we will see that our world is broken. War, famine, crime, poverty, forest fires. But it's not just an out there experience. We know from our own experiences that it's not just the world that is broken, but our, our own bodies are broken as well, aren't they? The pain in our own lives and the pain of those around us struggling with illness, with disease, with infirmity. Well, it makes us long for, as Paul says, the redemption of our bodies. Bodies made new. It's that Revelation 21 kind of stuff, isn't it? No more pain, no more tears, no more grazed knees, no more joint pain, no COVID, no diabetes, no cancer, no dementia. All gone. All made new. That's our inheritance. That's what we're hoping in. But as verse 25 says, that inheritance that we hope in is something that we do not yet have. That's a definition of hope, isn't it? And so we have to wait for it patiently. But that's hard. It's really, really hard to wait in the midst of that pain, of that struggle with sin and suffering in the here and now. Waiting is hard. And so knowing this, well, Paul takes us on to his next point. As he answers the question, well, how can we wait? How can we wait? When we're in the midst of that struggle with sin and severe suffering, it can feel so hard to wait. It may cause us to, to despair, to lose, to lose hope, maybe even to begin to question our faith altogether. So we need help as we wait. And that's exactly what we get in verse 26. Have a look. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I think it's really encouraging that Scripture is realistic about where we're at. We don't pick up our Bibles to find that Christians should be those who are sorted and who have no issues. No, far from it. Paul says that in the here and now, we are in a state of weakness. Ah, perfect. Thanks, team at the back. Good job. Good answer to prayer. Paul says in the here and now, we are in a state of weakness. I wonder, when you're going through a really tough time, do you struggle to pray like I do? We watch the news and we hear of war-torn countries or we hear of unwell friends and family members and sometimes we just can't find the words. How do we pray whilst we have to wait in the midst of sin and suffering? Well, Paul continues in verse 26 and says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Amazingly, when we don't have the words, when we don't know how to pray, well, in the midst of the mess, God's Spirit within us, well, he's speaking on our behalf. 
and he prays in line with God's will. I find that to be a real comfort. When I don't have the answers or the words to pray, God knows and his spirit speaks. So firstly, we are able with the help of the Spirit to wait. And then secondly, you can see it there on the screen, that we can wait knowing that God is working in the mess for our good. Many of us will be familiar with verse 28. It's one of those fridge magnet kind of verses. It says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. It's a wonderfully encouraging verse for Christians, isn't it? But it's really important that we read it in its context. God does not promise us personal wealth and health in the now of this world. God working all things for our good does not mean we worship a a genie-like figure who will grant us all our wishes. No, we need to read on to understand what's going on here. From verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Did you spot it there? God is working in the midst of the mess for our good so that we will become more like Jesus. Paul is emphasizing here that actually it's not about us. God's plan is centered on his Son, And his overall big plan is to provide Jesus with a family of believers. And to bring about this plan, well, God works in the here and the now to make us more like Jesus. This process, well, it's called sanctification. Where having been saved, we're then increasingly made to bear the image of Christ in our lives. To take on his likeness. And these verses, well, they track that process of salvation to sanctification. They're sometimes referred to as uh, the unbreakable golden chain, where we're able to see God's big plan for salvation and how it all links in together. So verses 29 to 30 says, For new, God foreknew us. He predestined us. He chose us since before creation. He called us by his Spirit to become children. And he justified us, justified us through the cross. It's as if we had never sinned and ultimately glorified us. Ultimately, we will be made fully like Jesus, raised and renewed on that day. That's how we're enabled to wait. Knowing that in the, in the here and now, God is working for our good so that one day we will be glorified. So, it is It is hard to wait, but we wait with the help of the Spirit, knowing that God is working in the midst of the mess for our good and ultimate glorification. But finally, Paul shows us that we can wait with complete confidence, waiting with confidence. Thinking back to how much we hate waiting, perhaps sometimes when we have to wait for so long, we lose faith in the thing that we're waiting for that is ever going to come about at all. Well, here Paul says, well, here Paul gives us a, a massive encouragement, showing us just how confident we can be that God will deliver. Uh, and actually, to appreciate this, we're going we're to work together on those final few verses that we didn't read out from the end of chapter 8. You should have received a, a copy uh, of this as you came in this morning. 
It's the last few verses from Romans chapter 8. And whilst God works to save his church, the the, the full people of God, we're going to apply these verses to ourselves and to make them really personal for each of us this morning. And so you'll see there's various different blanks on those pages where we can insert our own names. I thought it would be helpful, if you're up for it, to say this out loud together, to go through these verses and to say them together, and as we do so, to say out loud our own names, just to really bring this home. So uh, we'll say together these verses and put our names in the blank as we say them out loud. So uh, we say together, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for Steve, who can be against Steve? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for Steve, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give Steve all things? He will bring any charge against Steve, who God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for Steve. Who shall separate Steve from the love of Christ? Who shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things, Steve is more than a conqueror through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate Steve from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I hope you found that helpful, just to really bring that home. I want for all of us this morning to appreciate the confidence that we can have. Because nothing can separate us from God's love. Whilst we wait, we can know that we are secure, saved, sealed, inseparably rooted in God's love for us. Can you see, can you feel the confidence that gives us in the here and the now? That the God who gave us his son in the now will ultimately give us all things. And no one and nothing can separate us from God's love and that promise to us. Let me really encourage you this morning to dwell in that love, to know that love more and more for you, to read about it if you can each day, to to pray to God, thanking him for his great love for you, so that we come to appreciate just how much God loves us. And knowing that love, we will then be enabled to wait Wait with confidence, knowing that our loving Heavenly Father will one day bring us into our inheritance. Well, Paul this morning has been showing us how to tell the time. The difference between the now and the not yet. Knowing that the best is yet to come, we can keep the good things, the pleasures of this world in perspective. There is more than just this. This isn't all there is. And ultimately, as we wait in the now, with the help of the Spirit, appreciating that God is working to make us more like Jesus, we can look forward to that day when all things will be made new. A new creation, new resurrection bodies, 
and renewed, restored relationships with God, our loving Heavenly Father. So we can conclude with Paul in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you know us, that we are your adopted children if we're trusting in Christ. And you know that we do struggle with sin and with suffering. We thank you that you know that through Jesus, he went through those sufferings and those challenges. And Father, we thank you that in in the midst of that, you are making us more like Christ. So help us today, this morning, to, to see that we can wait with the help of your Spirit to keep going in our Christian walks with our eyes fixed on him, knowing that our inheritance will one day come with his return and that all things will be renewed. Lord, help us to be transformed by this wonderful news, by this love that you have for us. I ask that in your name, for your glory. Amen.